Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. Welcome back to the Bruce Woolley Show on 98.9 FM, The Answer. I'm, I'm coming in hot here because uh, we've got some limited time with our next guest. Uh, he's Dr. Mark Clausen, professor of history and law at Cedarville University. Dr. Clausen, welcome back to the Bruce Woolley Show. How are you this morning, sir? Thank you. Doing pretty well. Excellent. You know, when I was in college, I was late to class, and I and I know that if I don't if I don't rush here, we're going to make you late to class. I don't want to do that. I, I, I'm sure my <laughs> students will be disappointed. <laughs> hey, we spent an ample amount of time in two segments uh, before you talking with Mike Gibbons, former U.S. Senate candidate, a guy who's uh, steeped in mergers and acquisitions and dealing with banks, and we kind of unpacked what was going on with this Trump trial. Um, and what I've discerned is that banks were duped by Trump, but they didn't know it. Uh, but a politically charged prosecutor knows better. Uh, Trump personally guaranteed loans. Trump gave disclaimers on his statements. Uh, but we have a prosecutor who ran on the platform, I'll get Trump, and it looks like she's going to. How do you see this Trump trial? Well, I, I think it has two elements that are really troubling to me. One is the statute itself under which this suit was brought by the Attorney General, the New York Attorney General. It's a vague law, it doesn't require any intent. Um, it, um, it doesn't require any harm to be shown. There are all sorts of problems with the law itself. But secondly, the people who are actually pursuing it, the attorney general, on her, during her election campaign, she campaigned on being able to go after Trump, to get Trump. And the judge himself has made statements about Trump, which are derogatory. So both on the level of the individuals and the level of the law itself, there are a lot of problems with this whole trial. So isn't it best practice for a judge in that circumstance to recuse himself, to say, you know, I've made some comments. I might have some things woven into my mind that would that would uh, prejudice this case. And why, why isn't anyone in the press talking about that? Well, I think probably because I don't, I don't really think the mainstream press, at least, really has any interest in a judge recusing himself. They don't they don't, really don't want to do that want him to do that. Um, now, I do think that recusal would be the best um, course of action here, but you're not going to get the mainstream press to agree with that. They'd, they'd sweep it under the rug. This guy is a judge. A judge must be unbiased. The judge is unbiased. Uh, at least he's unbiased in our perspective. And that's it. That's all they need. Wow. So let me ask you this. I know we've got a few minutes here. Um, what happens if Trump loses? They're talking about it. This potentially being a two hundred and fifty billion dollar fraud case, uh, but it's a tort. It's it's uh, it's a civil case. But what happens if he loses? Well, the judge has already has already found him basically guilty. So now we're we're really in the penalty phase. Now, what could the judge do? The judge could go as far as sending all of his assets there in New York into receivership and selling them off. So effectively, what he'd be doing is he would be partially confiscating 
the property of Donald Trump in New York. Uh, he could go that far. Now, normal cases like this don't go anywhere near that far. Usually, and, and by the way, New York is notorious. People in New York are notorious for overinflating the value of their property. And, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that if you make a disclaimer that you think it's worth this much, your accountants have told you that, and so on and so forth. But even when they do, and even if it comes to a trial, it's usually just a relatively small fine. That's all. And then you let the person go on their way. They keep their property. But again, with this hyper-politicized situation here, I, I just I don't see that happening. Yeah, you know, when you think about The Art of the Deal, that's a book that Donald Trump wrote. Or if you've ever sold something, in negotiation, it's standard practice. You start high. And you recognize that you're probably going to get negotiated down a little bit. So certainly you say, well, it's worth this. Okay, I'll come down a little bit. I mean, that's just – that's capitalism. Hey, uh, right. one more question. I know you got about a minute. Do you think if if the judge says we're going to put this into receivership, we're going to start selling this off, do you think this thing ultimately gets reversed? Do you think there's an adult in the room somewhere that pounds the gavel and says, no, we're not going to let this happen? Ah, that's that's the $64 million question. Um I, you know, on the basis of justice alone, I would say it would be appealable. The problem is if if, a, if it's appealed and it would be appealed to a New York court, uh, a New York court's li- likely to say, and, and I'm sort of surmising based upon New York, which I know something about, um, the New York court's liable to say the statute's valid. There's not a problem there. We may not like it, but it's a valid statute, and we can't find any problem with the uh, – with with the attorney general's decision to pursue this, we we can't uh, find a problem with the judge's decision, uh, and so we w- we won't uh, take your appeal. We won't we'll hold against you on the appeal. That's what I unfortunately could see happening if it goes that far. Wow. Hey, I know you've got some students that are eager to learn, so I'm going to let you get back to it, Dr. Mark Clausen. Thank you for joining us this morning on the Bruce Woolley Show. We really appreciate you. Well, thank you. Okay. All right. Yeah, you as well. Uh, Cedarville University professor of law and business and uh, friend of the show. It's great to have him weigh in. Uh, his opinion's a little different than Mike Gibbons. Gibbons thinks that this would get overturned. Um, but hearing from Clausen is a little more pessimistic, right? Like this thing, if it does get appealed, someone, a judge in New York could say, no, the, statue's, the statute is valid. And uh, Letitia James has a right to bring this case. And this is what the judge found. So, so we're going to stick with it. But isn't there something wrong with Letitia James saying, I'm going to get Trump and a judge not recusing himself sitting on the bench who has made derogatory comments about Trump before? I mean, it almost sounds dystopian, doesn't it, Jeff? I mean, can you do you believe that this is where we are? Uh, This sounds like a, a bad Tom Clancy novel, if you ask me. It's unbelievable. Speaking of unbelievable, um, I'm going to pivot the discussion back to issue two because I got a message this morning from somebody who used to be an Ashbrook scholar at Ashland University, which means he was involved in the political science department. He got to meet some dignitaries uh, stateside and uh, abroad and have conversations with them about politics and policy. He's a really sharp guy. He's turned his life over to the ministry. And I just – I prize what he asks and says. And here's what he said. I want to read it to you. Why doesn't conservative leadership federally – Take away the BS talking points the left uses to expose their actual interests. Make it law that abortion options must be available for those who have documented a documented rape slash sexual assault case. 
or when a mother's life is in danger. Uh, the large, large majority of the right doesn't have any problem with this, and the left will have a very hard time not supporting it, even though they actually won't want to support it. So basically he's saying, okay, you played your cards. Now now let's, uh, let's play this out. My, here's, here's my thought on that. It, it, it's, it's a double-edged sword. I believe the GOP presidential candidates don't want it to be a get-out-and-vote driver for Democrats in 24. So I think they'll likely say the Supreme Court of the United States said it's a state's rights issue and voters in each state will decide and keep it at that. Now, that would be the wise thing. Otherwise, Joe Biden and the water-carrying press will latch onto it and use it against any candidate who says, no, uh, we need to return to you know a more reasonable federal law. The Supreme Court said it's a state's rights issue. I think a wise presidential can- uh, uh, candidate would say that. Now, in Ohio, here to me is the thing that we need to talk about. Uh, in Ohio, we should put back in the faces of issue one supporters what they railed against for months. Do you remember? This doesn't allow abortion to birth. You're crazy. Here, here are three legal experts that don't just ignore the fact that they've contributed 342 times to Democrats. But here are the legal experts who say to you, this doesn't allow abortion to birth. And oh, this doesn't take away parental rights. There's no judge in his or her right mind that's going to interpret every individual to mean minor. And there's no judge that is going to uh, look at the phrase, uh, you know, but not limited to and say that, yeah, that could be puberty blockers. That could be hormones. That could be reassignment surgery. Nobody's going to do that. Well, I talked to a deep insider at the state house today, and there are two things here. One we're now in the find out phase and we know that Planned Parenthood has a lot of money. And so expect to see abortions pushed to the limit. Expect to see parental rights ripped from parents pushed to the limit. And you're going to see cases and we're going to be in the find out phase. And it might take, I don't know, a mom and a baby lying dead in a clinic for somebody to go. We went too far. It might take uh Children's Protective Services showing up and saying, hey, you're a Christian nationalist and you're breeding hatred for trans students and your kid. We need to reexamine what's going on here. We need to look at what's going on. We're going to take your kid and, and put him in the care system. We're in the find out phase. But here's my, here's my suggestion. Why don't we propose an amendment that says, okay, he passed issue one. Now let's put some, let's put some guardrails on it. Let's say that abortion cannot happen to birth. Let's say that parents can't lose their rights. What do you think, Jeff, would happen uh, to the loony left if they were confronted with, okay, you said it, now walk the talk. You think they'd do it? Yeah, I don't either. But I think that is where we need to go. And uh, where we're going to go next is to Aaron Bear. And uh, he's going to talk with us about last night's election results. So stay tuned to 98.9 FM, The Answer. Tonight, the third GOP presidential debate will be live on 98.9 FM, The Answer. Salem Media Group is proud to be a media partner of the presidential debate in Miami. 
Our broadcast coverage of the debate begins at 7 p.m., and the candidates take the stage at 8 p.m. Salem's own Hugh Hewitt will be moderating, along with NBC's Lester Holt and Kristen Welker. Mike Gallagher, he'll have the pre-debate coverage at 7 p.m. and the post-debate reaction at 10 p.m. Speaking of uh, reaction, I want to welcome in Aaron Baer. He's president of Center for Christian Virtue, CCV. Now, CCV seeks the good of their neighbors by advocating for public policy that reflects the truth of the gospel. Uh, Aaron, welcome back to the Bruce Hooley Show. How are you this morning, sir? Hey, Jack. You know, I am uh, uh, cast down but not in despair, brother. We are, we are pressing on here at CCV. Yeah, it, it's, it, the sun came up. We're alive. We continue to fight. Here's my hot take. I said last night, 73% of Americans, Republicans, Democrats, independents, don't support what's in, what is in issue one, yet it passed. Why? Because I think there's an untold story. There are well-funded initiatives like this that are backed by billionaires, Soros, uh, World Economic Forum, Swiss foreign nationals like Hans-Jörg Viss. They fund this Marxist movement all over the world, and then they create these half-true and blatantly false messaging campaigns to promote initiatives like Issue 1 that a limp press and ideologically aligned mainstream media carry forward eagerly. What's your hot take on last night? How did we get to 5644? You know, I, I think that's certainly a, a major part of it, um, Jack. I think, honestly, I think one of the things, though, that we need, especially for Christians in America today, to, uh, we, we need to understand what time it is uh, and, and where we really are. I think one of the things, Jack, that we have to reckon with in this uh, is that you know, there is a large percentage of our uh, country uh, and even of our state. I don't think it's 50 percent, uh, but there is a, a, a significant percentage of our country that be- that understands and believes that a child in the womb is indeed a human person uh, and is OK with killing that child. Um, th- th- this is something that we're, we're talking a lot about at CCB right now in, in the aftermath of this you know, for, for a long time, one of the main thrusts of the pro-life movement has been uh, if if we can just convince America, help America understand the reality of life in the womb, and that's why we push things like ultrasound laws and, and, and things like that, they'll say it's wrong to kill that child. I think one of the things we didn't account for is, and this is primarily through the, the pushing of critical theory in the schools and the corrupt academic system, is that they've actually they've lost the, the moral standing to be able to say that murder is wrong, right? And so uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a massive problem. We have the practical political one of just how much money and cash or Soros and these folks are pouring into our country. But we also have a major systematic cultural problem right now uh, that was on full display last night. And I think one thing, Jack, from a political stance that, that we also have to reckon with is that these systems that are, are teaching our, our children to not look to God, but to look to their own, look to themselves uh, for what is right and wrong, are being funded in the terms of billions of dollars by our state legislature. We have to start looking about how we're what what money we're pumping into universities in K twelve and what's actually being taught to our kids. I had a rant this morning on my way to the studio that I, I published on my Facebook page, and I said there are two groups of people. There are a group of people who were duped. They don't realize what's going on, and we're in the find out phase. Yeah. They're about to find out. But there is a group of people who are desensitized. And frankly, a lot of them care more about a dog being left in the back of a car with windows up on a hot summer day than they do about killing a baby at seven months that's viable. So there is a perverse mindset in this country, and I think you're right. We have to take a step back and say, what are we thinking and how are we feeling and how did we get here? What's the schema? What is the experience? What is the teaching? 
And it's crazy to me, you know, it, for example, we'll talk later, Elida High School, there was a walkout because students are done with uh, a boy going into a girl's restroom. But then you look yeah. at the uh, the shooter in Tennessee. Well, that was leaked. That that manifesto was leaked. And, and it is woven with hatred for this country, particularly hatred for whites. And so then you look and you go, we're letting kids question their own gender. We're letting kids hate people because of the color of their skin. There's no there's it's not. To me, it's not confusing why we are where we are. Um, right. How do we fix it, Aaron? Well, exactly. Well, and, and even too, just to put a finer point on it as well, we, we see a, a, a large swath of young people coming to the defense of Hamas while they're chopping the heads off of Jewish babies. Like we're, we're literally forgetting what never again meant and means. Um, I mean, it, it's and the reality is, Jack, is it, it's it's in such big numbers. Is it the majority of people? No. Again, I, I, I think you're spot on. I think the majority of Ohioans, if they're really confronted with what issue one would mean, would still reject it. But there's enough of them. There's a, it's a systematic trend to say, how did we get here? And the, the, the most obvious answer is our education system. Like a, 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 an ancillary look at the ideas that are being taught in our schools and even what's not being taught, it, just not being told that there is that the, the true reality of there's an omnipresent and an omniscient and good and loving God who created all things for a purpose is inevitably going to leave a lot of the, the population to go in the wrong direction. And this is not an, an argument to say that everyone should be forced to go into a Christian education, but this is an argument for saying, Christians, we need to be making the case to people that you need to be in a Christian education and be taught that the truth, the reality of how you were created and what you were created for. Otherwise, sterilizing kids, taking the lives of unborn children, uh, you know, saying everybody is a racist uh, just makes sense to you. That, that, that's logically where a lot of people are going to end up then. We have about a minute left, and so I'll just ask this, and then I'll let you roll. Um, do the good guys have a, a plan? Do they have something up their sleeves, whether it be the Ohio General Assembly or, or someone else, uh, to, to deal with what now is permissible in the state of Ohio? Yes, there, there is, and, and a lot of those are, are, are also still coming together. But I think, Jack, one of the things we have to recognize is that if anyone's send, selling you a quick fix on this, they're setting you oceanfront property in Indiana like this. We have some things immediately we need to do in the General Assembly uh, and some things we can do to protect life in the short term. But we are on a rescue mission now, and this is a generational one. Uh, and we need to be thinking about how we are reforming the institutions in Ohio and America that have corrupted the hearts and minds of so many people. That is uh, it's very well put, Aaron. Thank you for spending time with us today on The Bruce Hooley Show. I know that we'll have you back, and uh, keep fighting the good fight, brother. Absolutely. Miss you, Bruce. Get better, buddy. Yeah, we miss him too, man. What a, it was great to have him on today. Uh, I just I, I miss his analysis of current events and, and zinging fastballs. All right, man. Uh, thanks again, and thank you for listening to 98.9 FM, The Answer, The Bruce Hooley Show. Stay tuned. We're going to hear next uh, from a mom of an Elida student where a walkout took place because students said, Enough is enough.